0: Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome back to So Money. It's Farnoosh, and this is Ask Farnoosh, July 26th, 2019. Tomorrow's the day, everybody. Tomorrow's the day I pack up my car with my kids and we drive the longest we've ever driven as a family, about five hours to close to Martha's Vineyard, and then we're going to stay overnight and then grab the ferry the next day. I'm a little worried although I feel like I'm coming prepared. I went to Target this week and got a lot of snacks. Got a lot of uh, you know, toys packed, books packed. Yes, the iPad is packed, two of them cuz that would also be a problem between two kids, one iPad recipe for disaster. You may be rolling your eyes at me, but this is Modern day parenting. Okay, long trip, two kids, five and two, and every other minute would otherwise be a question of are we there yet? Some things just don't change. Now, I've been trying to prepare for my week off, you know, work wise, and I decided to, you know, stop trying to overdo things. (laughs) So here's what I'm gonna do over the next two weeks, you're gonna hear replays on So Money. I know, I know, I know. But I'm okay with it. And I think you should be too. I have over 900 episodes, right? And so it's time to just bring some back out from the archives and replay some of the classics, some of the best hits, some of my favorites. So we're going to hear again from people like... Vicki Robin, who's the author of Your Money or Your Life. We're going to hear from Kari Skogland in the next two weeks who was on the show previously. She is a director who has uh, worked on such hits as The Walking Dead, Handmaid's Tale. By the way, anyone watch Handmaid's Tale? Raise your hand. I'm raising my hand. Oh my gosh. What a season, right? Right? Maybe we should do a whole just like, I don't know, after show episode on that. Completely unrelated to money, but... Oh, such such a great show! Doctors Renee and Need Darko going to have them back on. Not back on, but replaying that episode. These uh, this is a couple, a married couple, both doctors, both also have their MBAs, and so combined they had over six hundred thousand dollars in debt, student loans mostly. And I said had because they have overcome that. How they did it is an incredible triumph, and their story is just so inspiring. And now they have their own podcast and they're helping others with their uh, financial pursuits. And then also I wanted to replay my episode with the lovely Barbara Corcoran a friend, and someone who also, I believe, has a podcast in addition to her other millions of projects, Shark Tank, running a business, uh, books, et cetera. So looking forward to replaying these episodes. I hope you'll stick with the show. I hope that if you're new to the show, these uh, comeback episodes will uh, will be helpful for you as you're navigating kind of like where to start and what episodes to pick up on. These are some of my favorites. All right, we're going to head over to Instagram. Okay. Lots of really good questions that most recently came in through Instagram. And I actually just had a back and forth with uh, one follower. Her name is, uh, we'll call her M to keep her a little anonymous. But she and I actually just had a, a lengthy conversation, direct message conversation on Instagram. That's right, folks. You can reach me on Instagram. Sometimes You know, in the middle of the day, I check my direct messages, and if I'm inspired, if I have time, if I feel like I got a good answer for you, I might answer you on the spot. Doesn't always happen, but do know that I see every question that I I I usually go there first as I look for questions for the show. But I thought. This is a good question for all of us to weigh in on and hear, even though I did answer her through direct message one-on-one. I want to use it for the episode. I want to start with this because uh, I surprised myself with how I answered this. I thought I was going to go in with a little bit more conservative advice, and I decided, no, you know what? I'm going to tell her to go for the juggernaut. So here we go. M is uh, in college, and she says, I have a question for you concerning career growth. I feel you are a career-oriented woman with lots of experience, and you may be able to help me with a problem I'm having. Well, I do have a lot of career experience, both working for a company, companies, and working for myself. So yeah, hit me up. What's going on? So she says, I currently have two incredible internship offers on the table. So not exactly between a rock and a hard place, two incredible internships, right? So it's like between you know unicorns and rainbows, but there is a bit of a catch, So one of the internships is for Disney Streaming Services where I would get to work as an enterprise portfolio management intern working directly with leadership to launch Disney Plus this fall. This seems like an incredible opportunity, but the pay is pretty low considering it's in San Francisco. It pays $25 an hour. So she says, I would have to use a huge chunk of my savings to supplement the income. I'm currently doing a project management internship in New York for the New York Times. And thinking of how much money I spent coming here, plus the money it would take to move to the West Coast, it stresses me out. She says, I also have a return offer for a brand marketing internship at MailChimp, paying more, $32 an hour. Plus, I could live with my parents there so I could replenish what I lost living in New York. I think I'm just at a loss of what to do. I can't tell if going to Disney is actually an investment in my career or if only getting experience in leadership roles early on could make it harder to get an entry-level role when I graduate in May. So I asked her a question, a follow-up question. I said, "What what would happen if you took the Disney job? Would you sink into credit card debt or just require taking money out of savings?" She says it would just kind of impact her savings. And she's trying to keep her credit card out of the situation as best that she can. And then I said, are are the jobs that you want out of college more in line with the Disney experience? And she says she's not sure, but she's definitely interested in brand marketing for creative reasons. And she thinks that ultimately she'd like to be in leadership and working with an enterprise team to help manage the company project um and so this she thinks that this experience is going to give her a lot of great experience and skills for that down the road. She says that the internship with Disney starts at on September third, so really close to close to that, and leaving New York City August eighth, so the turnaround would have to be really quick and so i'm I'm hearing her, and I'm thinking, yeah, you know, doesn't pay as much. San Francisco, the Disney opportunity, financially seems less appealing. But it's not like it's going to put her into debt. And i said I thought, you know, she has done the good job of saving her money. And I know that that it's a little hard to think about using that money because you just want to see your savings grow or you want it to be there for you in case of an emergency. And this doesn't really seem like an emergency. so I, I said to her, If your savings can actually help you afford this move that seems to have a lot of benefits, then I think you should go for it. But I said, ask Disney if they could help to pay for the relocation, maybe help you find affordable housing. I do think this seems like the better opportunity. The MailChimp job... I think I could hear it, you know, like in her voice, it wasn't that exciting and it's a good, safe job. She can live with her parents and save some money. But I also think that where she is in her life stage, this is the time to really get out of your comfort zone, try new things and... You know, invest in your network, invest in your skill set. And I think the Disney job is going to give her more access to those things. And I said, this is the time in your life to be investing in your network and your growth and your experiences. And again, it's not going to be putting you in debt. And she said, okay, exclamation point you're right. And she said, you know what? Disney might actually offer a stipend or something. I just have to ask the recruiter. And she says, yeah, I think the opportunity does sound great. And it is just hard to go from being super focused on personal finances to spending money moving around these past few months. She says, I feel like sometimes my goals are at odds with each other. Uh, But thank you. I feel like I needed to hear that it's okay to spend money on experience and growth. You bet it is. It is great to spend money on experience and growth, but you still want to be smart about it, right? You don't want to bet the farm. You don't want to kick out credit cards to experience growth and build your network. You want to do it conservatively, having – You know, a move to San Francisco is very expensive and it's not going to be the best pay given, you know, the cost of living there. But I do think there's a great return on investment. Now, it's up to her, it's up to you, Em, that when you get to Disney, you make the most of it. You meet everybody. You take names, right? I want you to get back to college with a nice golden Rolodex so that when you go to apply for a job as you graduate, that you're going to get a sweet job with a sweet offer. And, and it's thanks to this Disney internship. So good luck to you, M. Love that we were able to work this out. We did it virtually over like minutes. So love that Instagram. Follow me at Farnoosh Shraby if you aren't. Okay, next up is Sammy, 87. Hey, Farnoosh, thanks so much for answering my first question. Yeah, Sammy and I go way back. She had a question back in April about how to maximize tax deductions. So I'm glad that was helpful to you. And coming back for for seconds, that's okay. Come back as often as you want. That's what I'm here for. She says, I have another question for you. My husband recently became a freelancer, and we are planning to start a solo 401k for him through Vanguard. He's almost 34 and needs to catch up on retirement. Would you recommend transferring some money from our house savings fund to his solo 401k so that it can grow with the market? We do not plan to buy anything in the next two years, so the house fund is just sitting in an online savings account. We know we'll be able to replace that money before we begin to look into real estate. Would really appreciate your feedback. All right, Sammy, great question. I'm happy to hear that your husband is moving on with his freelancing and that you're trying to get set up with uh, the benefits. It's hard, right, when you're self employed to do it all on your own, essentially, you have to DIY your retirement benefits. So, just quickly, a solo 401k, if anyone's wondering about it, also known as a self employed 401k or individual 401k, it's basically a 401k. Like, you know, if you had one at work, you're familiar with this. It's a retirement plan and the contributions are tax deductible. And it was designed specifically for business owners with no full-time employees other than themselves. So in this case, her husband is the sole full-time employee. You know, Sammy, I think that I'm hearing how your husband needs to play some catch up. So it is important to prioritize this retirement fund. I think it's good to you know, put more than the average into this solo one four solo four. I want to keep calling it a solo one k solo four hundred one k. And you did answer one of my questions, which was that if you take money out of the savings for your home, your future home, uh, would that derail your plans to buy a home? And it sounds like it wouldn't because you're going to give yourself time anyway to buy that house. And in those two years, you'll be able to recoup. So yeah, I think that it is a great idea. As we know, the earlier you get started with retirement savings, the better off you'll be thanks to compound interest. And with self-employment, you just don't know how it's going to go every year, right? You might have a boom year and other years might be flat, other years might be negative. So if you have an opportunity to up-level your retirement savings today, I I would do that. For 2019, the contribution limit actually went up a little bit to $56,000 or $62,000 if you're 50 or over. Okay, next, Jared is entering his freshman year of college and starting to think about being responsible with his own money. What financial advice would you give your 18 to 20-year-old self? Wow, Jared, congrats. College, it's happening. Very excited for you. Well, I would say that if I were to turn back time, go on a time machine, go back to college, 18 years old, I went to Penn State freshman year. That was a overwhelming time for me. I have to admit, I didn't do that well in school. The first and second semester, I party too much. I slept in too much. I got—I think I just lost my way. I was so regimented and scheduled in high school that I kind of got to college and I kind of I had to learn the hard way, you know? But it was probably good for me, you know, looking back. I don't regret it, but I surely was uh, struggling while I was uh, trying to, you know, get those grades up second year that's not going to happen to you. That is not what this is about. This is about how you're going to be super successful in college. And I think one of the keys to that is being really mindful of your circle of friends. I'm telling you this, Jared, I had great friends in college. They're still my best friends and they we're not just fun people to be around. I really learned from them. We supported each other. We didn't judge each other. And we all came from different financial backgrounds. Some of us were wealthier than others. Some of us had parental support. Some of us were, you know, on student loans and were nickel and diming. And so it's really important that you are ultimately with friends who empathize and support your choices when it comes to how you want to spend and how you want to save. Because in college, you're going to be pressured a lot to go out and have fun and you should have fun and you should socialize. But if you don't want to spend money on something, if you don't want to go out, if you don't want to you know, order the expensive fill in the blank when you're out with your friends, you should hopefully be in a group where you feel comfortable to say, hey guys, I'm going to skip out on this or I'll meet you after the party or I'll meet you for breakfast that you can still do you while still having a close group of friends. And you want to just get your side salad, whatever. Like that is important. You need to find your people so that you can do you. And that's the first tip. The second tip is once you get your groove in school, not the first year so much, but probably by year two, you're feeling like you've got a handle on things. Maybe you're a quick adjuster. Again, I... (laughs) I had a bad adjustment to college. Getting a job, okay, could be a great way to start getting some savings in the bank. And, uh, you know, on campus, there's so many job opportunities, off campus too. Eventually, I did get some jobs in college. I thought that that was a great uh, way for me to make money, but also get real work experience. You know, summers were great for internships, but during the year too, you know, waitressing, working at the school paper, I worked on the business side, so I was an account executive. That was incredible. I got to make commission when I sold advertisements for the newspaper and so much involved in that, right? Learning how to sell in college was invaluable to, I would say, all of my, rest of my career. If you can get some experience selling something, I would do it. You learn a lot about yourself and you develop skills that are just, again, invaluable. And lastly, one thing that I, if I could go back in time and teach myself this early on, I would track your spending. Track, track, track your spending. I made the big mistake of using my ATM receipt as my financial planner. I would get the receipt and say, you have $119. And I'd go and I'd spend $119. But I didn't realize because the ATM isn't updated in real time, or doesn't tell you the future that there were some deductions that were on their way that hadn't hit my bank account yet. So actually, I have less than one hundred and nineteen dollars. I have more like fifty dollars. And so I came home one day and opened up my bank account, and it said that I had negative, you know, two hundred dollars in there because of all of the over withdrawal fees. Yep, all seven of them in succession. Uh, I was proud of myself for calling up my bank, my credit union at the time, and asking them to uh, eliminate those fees because uh, that was really just one mistake and I was getting hit seven times. It was one thing that I didn't know, which was that I didn't have the money that I thought was in there. And of course, over the course of the afternoon, I was swiping and swiping and swiping and yeah, I don't know why I was swiping so many times. That was other, you know, maybe mistake that I was making. But I was not really that informed about my financial reality, and so checking in with your bank regularly. If you want to download something like a Mint, uh, I think that's great. Kind of gives you a quick overview, snapshot of where you are financially, what's in your bank account, what are what credit cards balances you have, et cetera. I would also say if you're going to if you're going to have any student loans going into college, just be smart about them, know what the balance is going to be before you graduate, know what the terms are so you can make a more informed decision when you graduate as far as you know the job to take. And how to budget and all of the things because if it's going to be a lot, then you know you're going to have to make some uh, some choices when you graduate to pay down that debt. That's a whole other episode. I've got I've done a lot of episodes on debt, student debt, but probably we will do a lot more. It's not going away. So good luck to you, Jared, and thanks for your question. Ah, college—the beginning of the rest of your life. It's going to be good. It's going to be good, Jared. Okay. More questions on Instagram. This is from Sean. He says, My wife and I recently refinanced into a 30-year mortgage at three and three-quarters of a percent. That's really good, by the way. That's great, actually. You know, I can I just pause here for a second. Interest rates are going south. Where are we in the economy? You know, this time last year, all it was. We were talking about was, you know, how interest rates were gonna go up. The Fed was gonna raise rates. And that was a little bit of a precautionary, you know, time because we're thinking, oh, if rates go up, housing's gonna go down. That's kind of generally what happens. Rates go up, the price of housing goes down. This is incredible. 3.75%. Wow. Kudos to you and your wife. Anyway, I digress. He says, we're thinking about making a 13th payment to pay it down faster. The monthly payment is $2,000. Is that the smartest thing to do with $2,000 every year? Or would it be more beneficial to put it into an IRA or a 529 plan as we start a family in the near future? He says, we've already got 401k set up. The emergency fund is established. We do have plenty of student loans at about 5% interest. Okay. So I would zone in on the student loans. Their interest rate is more than your mortgage interest rate. So – that is where your money is going to go and work harder for you. To pay that off, I think would not only be better from a calculation standpoint, it's kind of your technically your most expensive debt, but it's also debt, right? So if you can get the debt out of the way, could that also take a weight off your shoulders? Could you sleep better at night? These are things worth thinking about. Your financial happiness doesn't just come down to how much money's in your bank, but how is how you are managing your money, making you feel. So if paying down your student loans would make you feel better than paying down your mortgage because it's you know kind of a more expensive bit of debt, then I think that's where you start with that extra $2,000 payment. Very important to anyone listening, they wanna pay down debt, they wanna put extra payments towards a debt, make sure that it's going all to the principal, not principal plus interest, that if it's going all to the principal, it's knocking down that debt far more aggressively. Then I'd say once the student loans are out of the picture, uh, you might want to go to the 529 plan because you've got the 401k set up. If you're, if you're rocking and rolling as far as retirement savings goes, maybe it is college savings that could use a little bit of a boost given that we don't know exactly uh, how expensive college is going to be in the future. I'm going to guess it's going to cost more. I'm hopeful that whoever is elected in the future will do a great job of repairing our current student loan crisis and doing what they can to make college more affordable. But in the meantime – Saving more in the 529 plan can't hurt, and there's been a new rule change with the 529s where you can actually now use the money in the 529 not just for college, but for any qualifying education expense, and that could be, you know, private school for your kids as they're going through elementary school, middle school. So the smartest thing to use your words with this two thousand dollars would be probably to go where the highest interest debt is—that's your student loans—and then secondly, where your biggest savings need is. And that might be college, and then I would say your mortgage. Now, you know, that 13th payment a year can go a very long way. If any of you have ever read David Bach's book, Automatic Millionaire, it's essentially all about finding savings in your day-to-day to put towards a 13th payment on your mortgage because what that can effectively do is knock down the debt, knock down the term, and save you tons of interest. And if you actually saved that money that you were uh, saving an interest in interest and all the things and you actually could pay off your mortgage sooner, you could graduate a millionaire. That's David's theory. I tend to agree with it. And David's been on the show a lot. So just look up any of his episodes. And we usually talk about that. That's my quick math for you, Sean. Festivities3. Cool Instagram. You actually reached out earlier back in April and said that uh, you just wanted to let me know that since listening to the show, your wife was able to renegotiate her raise from 2% to over 14% and that you were able to bump your credit score higher and that you've refinanced your student loans. Best of luck with their pop-up. You said, yeah, I was in the thick of Stack's house back in April and we are working on our next cities, uh, but- Thank you so much. And it's so nice to know that the show is making an impact and that uh, I've got fans in Pittsburgh. I'm familiar with Pittsburgh, you know, lived in Pennsylvania. My husband's from Pennsylvania. I went to Penn State. My good friend lives in Pittsburgh. Great cost of living you guys have there in Pittsburgh. Wish it was closer to New York. <laughs> Thanks, Sean. All right. Noor has a question or rather a suggestion for me. And by the way, Noor, I love your name. It's so beautiful, it means light in Farsi I think you knew that. She's a big fan of the podcast she says and she's an OBGYN and says would love it if you could feature more doctors on the podcast. She said that she listened to Bonnie Coo's episode Bonnie Koo is a doctor who has really become a leader in financial education for doctors. And she says, I would love some advice on how to manage my finances as an OBGYN with tons of student debt. A lot of the episodes that I've done have been with married doctors. She's single. So wondering if uh, you know maybe I can shake it up a little bit and have some different kinds of people on the show. She says, we really get taught nothing in medical school. Well, you hopefully get taught something, right? Because you spend so many years in school. It's so much money, I know. It's it's a very unique, right? To be in your f- shoes. A lot of doctors, we uh, we respect them, right? Because they go through so many years of school and it's such a hard profession and it's such a dedicated profession. And how do we reward them? We give them hundreds of thousands of dollars in student loan debt. And you know, hopefully over the course of your career, you'll make lots of money and it won't be such a burden. But when you're first out, It's a lot. It's a big sticker shock. And I do – I have had a lot of doctors – not a lot, but I've had a number of doctors on this show where we have talked specifically about this. So there was Bonnie Koo. I would also suggest that you check out doctors Renee and Ni Darko. I'm actually going to re-air them in a couple of weeks. These two individuals, married couple, both doctors, also both got their MBAs. So you do the math. Over $600,000 in student loan debt. And they got out of that, which is heroic. I mean, that is just heroic. And we talk about the exact steps that they took. Uh, We also had on the show Dr. Peter Kim who was or is an anesthesiologist and a real estate and passive income professional. So he runs PassiveIncomeMD.com. And to get over the hump of his debt as an anesthesiologist, he had many, many, many loans. He started to explore real estate as a side hustle. And then that ultimately became just basically a part-time business. And I don't remember if he's still practicing, but now he runs the real estate company Curbside Real Estate as well. And he specifically helps educate doctors, physicians about the home buying process. So if you're interested in building your wealth through real estate, Dr. Peter Kim is your guy. Thanks for connecting with me, Noor. And I'm going to think about you now as I you know, look to book more guests. I'm going to look specifically for physicians who are single, who are grappling with student loan debt, see if we can help you out some more. Thank you. All right, my friends, wish me luck. Vacation summer 2019 begins in T minus 24 hours, and I will be gramming a lot, maybe to the chagrin of my family, but I want to, you know, stay in touch while I'm away with you. Please continue to send me your questions. Let me know what's on your money mind. I'm also still looking for co-hosts. You know, as we get into the fall, things are going to get busy. If you want to, you know, share the mic with me because you've, just you love the show or you want to give us some of your insights about money and how to money, you can let me know through Instagram. You can also go on somoneypodcast.com and click on Ask Farnoosh and drop me a note there. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Happy weekend. And I hope your weekend is so money.